Hey, sports fans and savages. Welcome to Greg Medford Show. I'm your host, Greg. We're out here in Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to talk some politics. Uh, we're going to talk education. We're going to talk saving our country today. I've been in a big bent as uh, I got I got kind of approached pretty hard to run for governor. And uh, a lot of you out there in Greg land have heard about this a little bit. And I kind of stiff-armed everybody away because I was like, you know what? I do not need the clown show of running for statewide office. Um but as this has happened, as it's unwound, as it's unfolded, and as I've met all of these people during this process, I have some policies that I want to run to the state house with. And uh, I'm actually in the middle of this white paper I'm doing for a piece of legislation I want to push into Arizona. And I'm sitting down at my favorite little watering hole a couple of weeks ago, and I'm having my favorite old-fashioned with some, um, what, was the, what was the whiskey, what was the bourbon that was in that? Oh, I can't remember. It wasn't Four Roses. Anyways, I was having this fantastic couple of great-looking bartenders make these great old fashions, and I'm like, it's a great place for me to unplug for like a half an hour while my kid's doing math tutoring. And uh, I'm sitting here talking to this fella next to me, and he says, oh, my wife's into this, that, and the other. And then next thing you know, his wife comes in, and we start talking. And so as we go on this journey... Um, doing this citizen soldier reporting, which is really what's had to happen as the mainstream media has abdicated their responsibility. The third leg of the milk, sco milk stool has collapsed. You know, the population gives up a little bit of its God-given inalienable rights to a ruling class so that we can kind of all get along. And the third leg of the milk stool is the critique of the reporting class which is why when the Bill of Rights came together, the right to free speech and assembly and free press was not the Eighth Amendment. It was the first. And because it was critical. It was pivotal. It was pivotal to the forming of the Republic. And nobody would ratify the Constitution and sign the contract to join the club without that item. And, uh, and it's been abdicated. And so how does the Republic function if the ruling class has, has co-opted the, the group who's supposed to speak truth to power and reflect the mirror back on society. They're not doing their job. So they are a bunch of derelict scumbag leftist Marxist commie fucks. And we are stuck left holding the bag. And so this is what we have to do. We have to get on here and risk my company. We have to risk my business. We have to risk, and everybody else does the same thing um, who's doing this format. And it's a great opportunity to jump in and have longer, more mature conversations about real issues that affect us. I've broken everything in this country down into two categories that we're dealing with. We've got our battles and we've got our war. And the war is being lost while we're fighting battles because we've forgotten that our ideas are better and we've lacked the courage to inculcate them in the young people so that we're stuck undoing 15 years of bullshit. We're, by the time they start voting, we've got 15 years of crazy horseshit to undo. And we have to find a way to get back to the original school charter, which was making good citizens who are civically aware of how our country works. So 
as I'm sitting there talking to this fella, he says his wife's all obsessed with this and into it. She pops up, we start talking, and we're like two retards in an airport. Like, hey, I'm crazy too. And so um, we have them in as a guest today. They were supposed to be in last week. I had strep throat, and I was down for the count for a few days. So today, Kim Martinez and her friend Steve Smith, um, guys, thanks for coming in. Your organization, I should have my glasses on. It's the American Federation for children and every time i go to say this it wants to roll off my mouth the american federation of teachers because that's their big organization right so you guys right. have made a cheeky play in contratant to the to the uh unions and the teachers because why is it all about the teachers and not about the kids right right we have all of these teachers unions there are no unions to represent the kids mm -hmm. so that's us right so a lot of us call us uh lobbyists for kindergartners <laughs> okay well um let me, uh, I'm going to put my glasses on here. So um, thanks for coming in today, you guys. Sorry about the uh, false start last time. Um, so tell me a little bit about this organization. Who founded this organization? Who started it? Well, uh, we have a board of directors that started it. Um, they have really steered us uh, throughout this journey. And of course, like many people have heard, the, the big name is Betsy DeVos. Um, and she has an incredible history where her parents, her mom was a school teacher and her dad was working class, owned a hardware store. Uh, so she, their family became very interested in education. And Betsy, um, who, by the way, contrary to what many people have heard, is one of the kindest people you will ever meet. Do you agree with that? Amen. Yes. Very generous. Um, she truly believes in this cause. So she uh, helped kick off this organization. All right. And how, how did you guys get involved with it? here in Arizona? Did you kick it off nationwide? Is it 50 states? There's organizations in all 50 states at varying levels of progress, kind of coordinating with each other or communicating or what? We're heavily active in almost half, um, but we have a presence nationwide. Um, Kim was actually in Arizona before uh, with AFC, as we call it. Uh, before I got here, I served in the in the state legislature for eight years. So when I got out, <laughs> sounds like a, like a prison sentence. When I got out, um, <laughs> Then I joined up with the team about three years ago. And so um, so we had the Arizona efforts and, uh, and nationally we have a great team, great leaders nationally to, to push us. And when you see wins like Youngkin in, in Virginia, when you see DeSantis, he'll even credit, both of them will credit. It's the school choice families that put them over the edge. Mm -hmm. So we know that this is the issue every year, but it's especially the issue this year when you see the abject failure of our school system, especially during COVID, um, where these kids are so far behind schedule, now more than ever, we all advocate for school choice because I don't care what the school or learning system is, if a kid is behind or just wants to propel further, they should have every option available to them to do it. And that's exactly what we promote. And there's a common misconception that if you're pro-school choice, you've probably heard this, Greg, that you're anti-public school. And that is 100% not it. What it is is um, if you're pro-school choice, if you're truly about helping families and children, you want those families to go to whatever school their child needs. I'm pro-success and I'm anti-failure. Yes. <laughs> I try to <laughs> explain this to people all the time. I'm like, it is, it is, it is never about an ideology. It is always about performance. If it's an ideology, you're just an ideologue, and, and, and that doesn't stand for much. I'm really big on, like, performance, meritocracy, what actually works. So we might have to still that for one of our satellites <laughs> in our messaging because that is perfectly stated. It is, and what actually works is what the parents want, right? I mean, last time I checked, it's, it's no difference when you find a doctor, when you find a restaurant, when you find uh, somebody to work in your house or a contractor. 
you will do the research, you know what you want, you know what your unique child needs, okay? And much like during the whole healthcare debate, one doctor does not work for you, me, and everybody else. Everybody has different needs. Everybody else has different ambitions, right? And so who knows better <laughs> what the needs of their child is? Me, you, the governor, a mayor, or the parent? Well, obviously, we believe it's the parent, not the unions, not anybody else, a parent. And moms and dads should be able to have the full-fledged ability to say, you know what, my kid, Johnny over here, needs something like this. Sally over here needs something like this. And they should be able to go get it. I think where the conversation a lot of times gets, uh, it's just like if you have the abortion debate and you're talking to a pro uh, a, a, a a pro-choice person or a pro-abortion person they take the discussion to some crazy extreme so when you start talking about parents having a say in their education educators and union members have a tendency uh leftists have a tendency to say well what does the average parent know about mathematics what does he they, they want to get very granular very quickly and i go whoa, 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 whoa. we're not telling we're not talking about what the curriculum should be in math class we're saying if they're at a shitty school in the uh Washington school district number 13 and they want to shift to a school that's performing really well we've got you know the problem is what you guys are talking about what everyone everything comes back to accountability mm -hmm. what you're talking about ultimately is a shift and the ability the freedom to shift and the freedom to shift is a numerical it's a nudge towards accountability is all it is it's making successful schools it's rewarding like hey we want to be with you and unsuccessful, no, we don't, we, don't be, we don't want to be with you. That little push in the marketplace, that's the cornerstone of the American experiment. Right. It's and the nudge of, it's the nudge of, of, of rewarding success, you know? Yeah. And we've heard every argument that you can get from the other side, mm -hmm. uh, the union bosses, um, you know, because we're not anti-public school system, but we are very anti-union bosses. Um, their argument is, well, the public school system has all kinds of accountability. When you have a failing school, what does it matter what the accountability is there? They're still not meeting it, but right. we continue to throw money at that. Um, and so to your point about parents um, and Steve's point, you know, it, we're, you're exactly right. We're not saying this is how you teach math, but we are saying, you know, if you're a parent, I can tell my kid's not learning math. And right. so I need to get them a math tutor. I right. need to get them into a school where they can process what they need to learn. Uh, and, you know, the unions just feel like they have this death grip because they do, they do. On, on taxpayer funds. And instead of freeing those children, you know, save one child at a time, they continue to just have this death grip and they paint it as it's what's best for all. So let me cage this a little bit because a lot of people watching this when we do these deep dives we're used to glossing over these core things that we're talking about because we know them and it's kind of in our wheelhouse but it's never really explained when you hear it in the 30 and 60 second sound bites on the news or even if fox news does fox news does a three minute piece on it you don't get to do the deep dive on what the real philosophical issue at hand is right so um, when we talk about the teachers unions and a lot of people don't understand this Every teacher in the country, and you guys are in this world, and so I'm just a little, I'm a little bit of an interloper. If I've got this off, you guys step in and square me away. So every teacher in the country, and there are millions of them at this point, right? How many teachers do we have in the United States? Well over 2 million. What's, okay. the, what's it at it's now? A, it's a large block of people. And in voting world, it's a gold mine. And, and in cash world, it's a gold mine too. So 
for everybody who's watching, the reason this is such a hot button issue and the reason why school choice is such a big deal and why school unions have such a grip on the testicles of this country, really on the heart and soul of the country, the reason why is because every teacher in every public school in the United States is forced into a public sector union at that point. And then their every pay period, a section of a bit of their pay is taken and given to their local union. So far, I'm totally on on target here, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So all of those millions and millions of, well, several million teachers and those millions of dollars each week or each pay period go into a fund. And that fund is for the National Federation of Teachers or the National Teachers Union or National Teachers Association or whatever it is. It's all into a national teachers group, their union, whether it's broken down by state or by county or national, it's all interconnected. They don't give money to Republicans at all ever and i think i've seen a study that 98 percent of all funding from the national teachers associations all goes to democrats yep so what you have is a mandatory funding channel for the democratic party here in the united states through the public school system and it's millions and millions and millions of dollars and then what they do is they've set up a fiefdom um through the uh uh, Department of Education in Washington, D.C., they've set up a fiefdom there where they lean on everything that happens and push, th they have their thumb on the scale for everything that can be pro-kids that might go against the union or the funding. And so you got to follow the money. So when you hear us talk about charter schools and school choice, they don't like us because we say, hey, I pay my taxes in my neighborhood. And let's say in my neighborhood in North Phoenix, my uh, allocation is $3,400 a year for my property or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, if I choose to leave the public school system and go to a charter school in Arizona, some fraction of that money, maybe $2,500 or something, goes with my child to their charter school. Some of that money still is retained for the public school, some percentage, I believe. Right. It's not dollar to dollar. Right. So what's going, this whole argument is about funding. The public schools don't want to let go of the government's cash grab on your property because we're going to make great schools and help your property values. And the battle is going on because they're taking our money and they're failing at their responsibility or they have an agenda that's propagandizing our kids and then we have no power and the money goes to elect people it's a negative feedback loop who continue to re reaffirm and resupport this so for everybody out there in Watchland, um whether you're a knife dude or a gun dude you've got a woman you've got kids or your brother and sister have got kids or you had kids or you're thinking of having kids i don't care if you're a gunslinger or a knife guy or a republican or a democrat or you're some person watching some person watching just because you hate me this affects everybody it's the core of our country because they get the kids from the very beginning, they get our money in a mandatory fashion, and they're spending it, and a good portion of it is going towards their political aims. There's nothing in the world for Republicans, the right side of the spectrum, that does this automatic public funding. It's unbelievable. It is, and you explained it perfectly. Uh, one of the things, the other element to that besides just our tax dollars is, uh, so teachers, right, um, they're notoriously underpaid, um, their salaries never seem to go up. We get all of this money getting filtered into the public school system, going up and up and up per pupil spending. The teachers, um, 
never seem to get that money. They're still paying for school supplies out of their pocket. They still don't, you know, there's a lot of people that don't want to teach because they're just not able to make enough of a living at it. So if all this money is going into the system, why isn't it making it to the classrooms? Uh, so the, pub the public school union bosses, what they want is to grow the system. They want more and more hires because then they take that $1,200 a year from more people and their um, you know, money to spend on politics goes up, up, up. Right. It's money, power, and politics. Yeah, and, I, and I've told everybody for years, it's, it's, it's what you said earlier, follow the money. It's, it's very transparent what's happening because, for example, there's a program in Arizona called the Empowerment Scholarship Account Program. They're called ESAs. They're basically scholarships for kids to go to different schools or, diff, or get different learning uh, if they want homeschool or, or online or hire tutors. Um, the problem is all the people that oppose it, some of the ones that you mentioned, a lot of these unions, a lot of these other folks out here to save our schools and all these groups out here that oppose this stuff, they oppose it because every kid that walks into a public school has a dollar sign on their head. Right. They got a backpack full of money from state, federal, and local dollars. And that's about 11500 bucks a kid in Arizona. We add up all that money. So every kid that walks into any school walks in with a backpack of 11500 bucks per, well, per year per year yeah if a kid leaves that the money, money goes with them. them so that's why groups like save our schools and the federation for teachers you don't hear anything about save our students save our kids and we support you know students over systems is kind of the mantra at afc and so when i say follow the money it's it's that and that will trickle down to your union dues and everything else but the larger context is and this is where it's so jacked up because if they're like whoa 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 you can't have these kids leave our school we've we've got them we've got the monopoly on them we got them in our grip so they don't care seemingly that the kid is going to get a better education they want the monopoly don't take our kids these are our kids and we've got to keep them why not because they're getting the a class a plus you know world-class education it's because their money will go with them so so what we have you know for everybody sitting in watching this go on we have this country that's based on the free marketplace of competing ideas right and we all get to bring our ideas to the table and get them voted on we get to have the best people hopefully come to the forefront and make their pitch and we vote on them. We believe in all this stuff with our core. And most people, when you ask them and you separate them from a microphone or separate them from their party and politics, when you, when you ask them blindly questions, people have a tendency to poll very conservative and they poll on the side of justice and equality. And I don't mean like social justice, they fairness and equality for the treatment of people. Right. All of us, left or right, we have a tendency to all poll kind of right of center. In the public school system, what we have is a group of people that we've put into a system and we've, we've extracted them from the competition. There's no more competition. When there's no competition, there's malaise in everything. Think about athletes with no competition. Think about ideas with no competition. Think about somebody w telling you their opinions and nobody ever questions them. They turn into bullshit artists. It's what's happened to the public schools because there's no competition. If there's no competition for performance, performance always goes down. Always. Or there's no fair competition. Because if you look at it this way, yes, there's charter schools and yes, there's private school and yes, there's home groups. So, so one could argue, well, no, there is. But when you look at the money, the money ain't the same. 
Charter kids do not get the same, even though they're public schools, do not get the same as quote unquote government K-12 schools. Even though they're outperforming. Even though they are performing. Yeah. And private schools don't get any of that money. But what we try to advocate for, especially through programs like this ESA program and others, is saying, whoa, 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 there's no such thing as government money. Last time I checked, it's our money. It's called taxpayer money. Yeah, yeah. So why can't the taxpayer, who's actually putting the money in the system, have a say where that money goes? So now if you have equal competition, I, as the mom or dad, hold the dollars in my hand. You, union boss, don't have them. You, government school, don't. I am now the ultimate consumer. I now can spend my money at the private school at the charter school, at the online school, at the tutoring place. I have full authority and power over my money. So when folks are watching in on this and they hear this conversation going back and forth, it could sound like a bunch of kind of technical government ease, but really when we hear the discussion nationally, all you'll hear is school choice. Mm -hmm. When you hear the phrase school choice, there are people for and against it. And we're a group of people who is pro school choice. And what that means is we want to be able to flex to where the best education is for our kids. That's it. And, uh, and, and I imagine what's gone on is there's been a negotiation for, let's say, my annual tax uh, is $5,500 on my property. And uh, let's say my public school contribution would be $3,600, but I get $2,500 to go to my charter school. They've decided that the facility that's in your neighborhood is going to get the facility apportionment of that taxes to keep up that facility because it's part of the land and part of the neighborhood. That seems like it's kind of the breakdown. Is that what's happened? Well, because the, the state we, of want, Arizona, we want dollar to dollar. Yeah, you, state, you guys would like to have dollar to dollar, but we don't have dollar to dollar right now, right? Yeah, the state of Arizona funds charter schools directly through the state. So charter schools are not privy to overrides, uh, millages, what we call them back east. Um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So they are not privy to the property tax dollars or the override dollars that your city or Phoenix or anybody might might do. So when you see, hey, vote yes on override one, two, three for more, charters aren't getting that. Right. They're getting funded solely through the state. And that's why you have that disparity. That's why you'll have public government schools get this much and charters down here get this much. Yet if you took every charter school in Arizona, there's about 550 of them, and put them and made them their own 51st state, the state of charter schools, they'd be tied for number one in the nation in outcomes and academic outcomes. So clearly we know that charter schools are working, but what we know even more than charter schools are working is we know that parental choice is working. So whether you call it school choice or educational freedom or whatever it is, moms and dads are gonna make the best decision nine times out of 10 for their kid, why? Because they have the most invested and at stake with their child and not the local or national federal state government. You know, the thing is, too, and, and people like to get very, like I say, whenever you talk with educators and union people, they like to get really granular about this and come with real specific examples. The truth is, as we see at the presidential leadership from the last cycle, and we see it with good leaders, great leaders, you, you don't need every little bit of information to make good choices. And as parents, you're the leader of your little posse, right? You don't need all the information to pick the best school. You really don't. You, you, and your gut tells you a whole lot really, really quickly as a parent who's been go, currently in the middle of this and having gone through this for many years now. It seems like everybody wants to get very intellectual and they want to talk, they want to parse it down and get really granular. You don't have to get granular. Allow choice and it will work itself out because that's the truth. We've seen that for 250 years now. Yeah, and it's interesting when you brought up abortion earlier, it's 
seemingly the folks that want the most choice, if a kid lives or die, won't give you choice on where that kid can go to school. You know, it's, 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 it's funny when we advocate for things and what we advocate for. Uh, and that's why we keep it simple. It's just, we are agnostic. I don't care if you go to that school, that one, or that one. I don't care. Just want it to be your choice. I want it to be your choice. And so here's what, here's what we find out for a lot of folks with, if you go to private schools, some of the, of the private schools have what, 98%, you know, graduation rates and all that. But we find a lot of parents don't walk up to a private school and say, tell me your graduation rate and I'll decide if I go here. Right. They're going to say, what is my kid going to learn? What, what options do you have here that's going to make them, to your point, a better, well-prepared citizen for life? You, you, you know, what's funny is I have a lot of friends whose kids go to private school. I'm one of the few people in my circle whose kids go to public school. And none of them did that. They all just picked the most expensive one that was reasonably convenient and just went for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have it. But that's their choice. I know. Like, hey, man, I, let them pick I, it. And well, the thing is, I'm that way with other stuff, too. I'm like, uh, the guy says, well, you can get this one or this one. I'm like, which one's the most expensive? I'll take that one. <laughs> um, I, I, I see why people do it because when you start parsing it out, it's information overload. And you're like, how the hell do I know what's going on in these five, eight different classes between this school and that school, and they're all saying they're A-plus rated, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to pick the expensive. Yeah, but the thing is, every parent is paying twice. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're yeah. paying in yeah. your property taxes right. that you've talked about earlier, and right. every other tax that we pay all goes in the education bucket, at least a piece of it. And then you're reaching back into your pocket and pulling out more money to pay for that tutor, that private school, right. that I, and, and Reagan even said this 30, 40 years ago. He says, wait a minute, why are we paying twice? Mm -hmm. Your government is taking our money to educate our kids, but I have zero say where that goes. And if I disagree with where it goes, I've got to reach right back in my pocket again and pay you for know, the one that I want. And they make this argument. They'll say, well, that's because uh, the value of your home is tied to your school district and it's tied to the performance of the schools. And just because you've got enough money to go to Brophy or some other private school, it doesn't mean you should be pulling the rug out from under the, na the neighborhood that you're benefiting from the schools by being in. That, you know, that's the way they kind of come back. And, and if everyone did that, well, then how would the infrastructure of the public school in your wealthy neighborhood hold up for the kids whose parents can't afford private school? And then guys like me go, well, let the school fail then. Exactly. It's okay. <laughs> Last time I checked, yeah. we were in a free market mm -hmm. economy. And, and they're like, well, that, that's children, though. That's, that's not a business. And I would go, board up the windows and the doors, mm -hmm. and a good charter school principal and business model will show up and teach those kids next week. Absolutely. And and um, <laughs> we especially like want to bring light to in the lower income neighborhoods where those schools are perennial, perennially uh, failing, those schools never get any better. And those parents are far from having money to go put their kid in a private school. And sometimes it's hard to get them to a charter school. Well, that's what the whole point of school choice is that like the empowerment scholarship account program that Steve mentioned, that is meant to help these disadvantaged kids get the money to go to a private school and get out of those failing schools. And to your point, if those schools fail, you know, the, the other side says, well, the school's bad, like it's already bad. It's never gonna get better unless we put more money into it and if these kids leave. It's been failing for 20, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> At you know, what point do we call I, I've it? learned some axioms looking at public policy and in business, and more money is almost never the answer. It's the first thing everybody wants when you're out of ideas. When you have no good ideas, you think more money is the solution, and it's never the solution. Meet, have somebody in your personal life whose life is collapsing, and they just think some money's going to help them. It'll never. As soon as the money's zipped through, they're going to be back in the exact same problem again. There's no 
fixing broken institutions with more money. That's the crazy. If well, we, and, and the best example you can give them on that is per pupil funding. Oh, I know. I was just going to sit and I was going to just segue right into, yeah. you know, if you look at charter schools, charter schools are the best yield, educational yield in the country. And, and so it's not about teacher pay. Mm -hmm. but, but if you flip it, what are the areas of the country that has the highest per pupil funding? Washington, D.C. at over, what, 20-some thousand bucks a kid? New York and California York, also, right? D.C., New York, Chicago. Where the unions it's are strongest. More, that's right. And it's you get more per pupil funding in those cities than it costs to go to most colleges. Right. And if you look at their results. And they're failing now, too. Those are oftentimes the worst academically performing school. So look no further. So yes, you have an argument on both sides. If you want to take the charter route or even the private school route, half the private schools in Arizona, more than half of the private schools in Arizona are at or far below this ESA award amount that kids would get, which is still even half of what the other kids get. But when you look at, you know, DC, Detroit, Chicago, New York schools, whose per pupil funding is through the roof, yet their outcomes are down here clearly it ain't about money the metrics over a hundred years now are absolutely clear that money is almost irrelevant with outcome yep it's almost irrelevant because good teachers are a calling yep and and so yes you know it, it's hard to say to two million people in this country hey look you're not going to make as much money as engineers hey you chose this it's not a high paying career it's a high rewarding career where you get to shape and mold youth and it's part of your nurturing nature and good for you and thank you for doing it and it's a service you don't make a lot of money as a priest either mm -hmm. you know you don't make uh you're not going to get rich being a nurse either those nurturing things that we need in society they don't pay the same and they shouldn't unless you live in Karl marx land and last i saw that's failing and they're in a war right now and they're failing also so just i call bullshit to all of it free free choice i say every single dollar you pay that's allocated for your for your taxes for your kids you should, every bit of it should be mobile and it would break the stronghold they have you know california they they would never they never vote for school choice they're completely against it and they used to be a you know a really good example of the public school system 40 years ago they were leading the nation so was new york so was illinois so was massachusetts no longer the case Right. So we have a real breakdown of innovation for sure um, in the public school system. And, you know, so much of this came to light. And the reason why this is probably even interesting to you now um, is because I know you've been following it, but to share with your um, viewers and listeners is because COVID was like throwing a big, like just wrench in the whole I love it. Yes, right? I love because it. parents have woken up. Mm -hmm. And then the reaction to that has been really interesting, right? So these <laughs> some of the teachers that are especially woke, mm -hmm. you know, and especially like off to one end that you probably would not like most reasonable normal parents would not want this person in their class have decided to take to social media and throw up all these crazy videos um just exposing like this like I'm a teacher and I'm in charge of a classroom of kids and just every like you see the comments are always the same this person should not be in a classroom can't believe you know that they're still there the district better fire them um you know and then we also saw all the um 
stuff going on, all the hoopla at the school board's meetings when parents tried to go figure out what's been going on. And it's just that parents were so trusting for so long, um, especially if their kid was in a decent to good public school, they just trusted. Um, you know, they they have lots of stuff on their plate. So I'm gonna send my kid to, to school. I moved to this neighborhood because it's a good neighborhood and the schools do well. So I'm gonna trust that they're okay at school. And then now we're seeing that even in some of those schools, you have some pretty loopy teachers well, and stuff going on. This indoctrination thing that's going on, I know you guys aren't on the critical race theory and that's a whole that's a whole nother can of worms. You guys are on money going with the kid. Yes. Um, all of that's been pulled pulled back and exposed. And so to see, you know, my kids go to a great school system and are in a good good schools, and uh, the stuff that's coming home, the stuff that came, it, like I'm already really hypersensitive to all this, and I'm like, oh no, 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 that's not what happened. Because in 1536, this is what happened, and then you have this treaty, and, here, and my daughter's like, oh my god, what, what's wrong with my dad? <laughs> she has this teacher in school she really admires, who's a goddamn leftist. I mean, she's educated and she's got all the dates memorized and she knows all the stuff and, and she's really energetic and she's a good teacher mm -hmm. and she's a freaking Marxist. So my, my daughter's coming home because she's conservative <laughs> and she's going, Dad, what, what, how is she coming to these conclusions? And I said, well, here, here's why she's coming to these conclusions. And we talk about it. Everybody's gotten involved and everybody's been having these conversations because it's the it's the unintended consequences of shutting the world down to stick it up Donald Trump's ass. <laughs> it, it's come back like a boomerang to hit him in the back of the head. I think it's hysterical because most of us, our faith is way down and our engagement is way up. And that's the best thing that could possibly happen. And uh, another thing that happened that really exposed everything that that had been happening for years and years and years, decades, um, is that in order to get the schools back open, Randy Weingarten um, mm. from AFT mm. wanted wel welfare for all and all of these issues that have nothing to do with teaching kids. Right. And But we are not going to open the schools until we get this whole agenda. They were blackmailing us. They're dirty, rotten commies. She's a dirty, rotten commie. <laughs> well, over so for those of you who don't know, dollars came to Arizona just from all those federal dollars alone. I mean, they're sitting on piles of money. They can't even, yeah. It's not even real money. It's just stolen, stolen and printed. And everybody wonders why our houses are too expensive for our kids to move or to buy. So Randy Weingarten, for those of you who don't know, she's the head of the National Teachers Union. Is that about right? Yep. And uh, she's awful. So for those of you like we hear we throwing these names around like they're people we know down the street. She's a Washington person. She resides out of Washington, right? Or is she? A, and I think she might be a California uh, uh, person. I can't remember now. But she's head of the National Teachers Union. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. and was a big part of the masks continuing. Mm -hmm. Was a big part of the school shutdowns. She's the one who gave shade to everybody to keep masks shutdowns uh, going in perpetuity. And then what, what was just being mentioned was. Uh, she was angling these big leftist grabs as a blackmail of us to try and undo the masking and open schools back up. Is exactly. That about, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. So she uh, definitely is not fighting for your children. No. Yeah. So yeah, fighting for the system. Mm hmm. She's it's, protecting it's her it, monopoly. That's what it is. And that's and, and you talked to, you know, just a second ago about parental involvement. When your daughter comes home, you say, oh, well, hold on. And I think what what school choice does a lot it 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 forces the parents to be more involved so there's a lot of teachers in my family 
and and any teacher will tell you gosh if only i could have parents more involved than it, at home right when to help them with their homework to show up to school to know what's going on if i just had more parental involvement your kid would do exponentially better and so um when you have school choice and now parents are a looking for a school they're involved in that decision hmm should we drive a little further to go to that one because that one might be better for you johnny should we do this what well, parents are now automatically invested a bit more than they were and as kim said before a lot of parents just trust well that's the closest one go to it and good luck but the second you start involving parents more so now they're involved in which school i'm going to well what if they're based in the school they want to go to based on what the curriculum the school is teaching mm -hmm. or the values the school is teaching right well now the parent is automatically even more involved and the more you get that relationship going with school kid mom or dad everybody's going to be the better for it yeah you know it's and it all comes back to the nudge of accountability the nudge of accountability it's all it is a tiny bit of knowledge because you don't need it all mm -hmm. and then nudge of accountability and i think it's the i you know i i, I almost want to just write a whole thesis on america lacking accountability everything in our country works if there's accountability and everything in our country fails without accountability so true <laughs> um our government works with accountability imagine if everybody who was insider trading in washington was not allowed to insider trade because there was accountability mm -hmm. how would bills change they'd spend less time dicking around naming highways after uh, lesbian transgender native americans from uh, washington state they'd spend less time fucking around with that and they'd spend more time working on education they'd spend more time working on our military more time you know getting ukraine's missiles they need and it's also who is the arbiter of accountability in many cases i don't want my my government or government body being telling me what i should look for what 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 suffices as accountable if i'm when i'm talking education in many areas yeah th that's needed but in education so we'll get people that argue with us today well wait a minute do private schools and home schools and kids that use tutors is there accountability there are they taking a certain uh, norm reference test are they taking the az merit and are those results posted and can we see and be accountable for what they're teaching to which i would say the parent is the one who should decide the level of accountability. If I believe that my school is doing great for my kid and they are on the right path, I don't care. It's almost like those, you know, in, in restaurants, those health safety letters, especially in California, word A rated or word B, and they'll put like the health safety yep. code in the window. Some people will eat just because of that code. And if that's who you are, God bless you. Oh, I, even though that's my favorite restaurant there, B, I only go to A because I want cleanly food or whatever it is. Where so many people would say, how many, how many of those in Arizona have those? None. So I'm going to go to the restaurant that I want. Why? But because I'm accountable to what goes in my body. I either like the way the food tastes, I like the service, I like the location, I like whatever it is. And whether there's a mandatory A rated cleanliness grade, I, listen. I'm going to be accountable. And that's how I think a lot of education well, is. People confuse accountability in the marketplace with performance. And that's, those are two different things. So if you want to know how a school's performing, see how their graduating class does. Those numbers, <laughs> most schools, it's hard to lie about that. And how many kids are going to college. Yeah. yeah. You can see what their graduation rate is. You can see what their college attendance rate is, uh, college acceptance rate, or how many kids are even, you know, applying to college, right? They've got a lot of data on that. That's not the accountability any of us are talking about. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the ultimate accountability. We ain't going here. We're leaving mm -hmm. because it's free. 
when you're when your money is stuck and you're stuck that's the most anti-american thing there is you know that's the thing to get back when people they want to get granular to upend your freedom thing and say no it's not about how they're doing in english i i'm i'm concerned with about that but i'm judging the whole thing from what's bad for my kid you know i've got one kid who you could throw her in a in a cave with a metal cage on the front and a pile of books, she's going to come out. She's going to know everything in the books and she's squared away. Mm -hmm. I got another one who's super creative and he needs a different kind of role than my daughter does. And I'm trying to, I don't, I don't have the answer for him yet. I'm trying to find it. And, and, uh, the thing is, is really the only people who have those choices now are the upper class. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because we it's got the haves and haves nots. We mm -hmm. got the money to fly. Yeah. You, you'd think anybody who's concerned about, the the folks the have nots this is the most ha pro have not argument there is because uh -huh. there aren't failing schools in north central paradise valley mm -hmm. there's failing schools in maryvale glendale peoria uh, alhambra you know down that way those failing schools those folks are they don't have the upper class mobility right so, and just to kind of give you an example of how fierce this fight can be, Steve and I, a couple of years ago, worked to free, what was it, eight families on the Navajo reservation from um, having to get kicked back into schools that were rated DNF forever. We we had to help fight um, everybody from the superintendent, you know, the legislature, all of it, to free eight families to be able to stay in a private school because the superintendent wanted to kick them out of that after she discovered a state line issue. Um, does that even make sense? Those, those families are in a situation where their kids are learning. Um, you know, the results in the reservation might be some of the absolute worst in the entire state. Uh, they were at the bottom of the matrix when, when we were um, fighting this and uh it hasn't gotten much better but and, and that's part of arizona's low uh performance nationally school wise is we have a huge reservation population that is all blended into that number is that accurate or not accurate yeah and the uh, high schoolers from the reservation we've heard this from countless people and the data backs it up will graduate without being able to read at a level to fill out a job application mm -hmm. so there's already limited opportunity on the reservations are these kids teenagers they're not going to college um are they moving off the reservation into the city not able to fill out a job application where their families are not what what are they going to do um this is the cornerstone of the western civilization this is the argument you know i was thinking about running for governor i'm like you know that's kind of an ego project i don't need that this is what needs to be changed it's the most important thing it is. If this gets done right, the military works out right, government works out right, law works out right, everything works out right because we have a knowledgeable mm -hmm. uh, 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 citizenry. Well, I always quote the great Whitney Houston, I believe the children are our future, right? <laughs> <laughs> and if you, and that's what I always hear from, from every side. Well, the children, do it for the children. What it takes a, takes a village to raise a child. If only we could help one child, blah, blah, blah. that's all you hear. Well, I'm sorry, the most formative part outside of their home is their education. Yeah. So if you truly want to raise up a good child, give them every tool they need to succeed. And and the last thing I'll kind of say about this whole competition thing and all this, it's very similar to the healthcare debate years ago with Obamacare, which is there's a one size fits all for healthcare. There's your provider, there's your doctor, we'll cover the bill, you just be grateful and go and do it. And what we found, that doesn't work. Well, it's the, 
You remember the uh, before the Cultural Revolution, the Chinese all wore that Chairman Mao top. It was that very same one with the frog, mm -hmm. four, four frogs down the front mm -hmm. and the collar. They all wore the same men, women, everybody. That's government solutions. It's the one frock top for men and women, same fit. That's public school. It's what it is. It's this one mold, one way, unchanging, ka-chung, ka-chung, gray, uninteresting, uninspiring, no competition, monopoly. Yeah, it's a one-size-fits-all approach yeah. to which we say, no, <laughs> just like in healthcare, just like in everything else in life, the more options you have, the better you can be. And all we talk about with school choices, this is like putting a Burger King next to a McDonald's. Okay, if there was a government restaurant that they said, "Hey, we 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 built these great restaurants, we took all your tax money, that's the only place you can go and eat," how long do you think people would be happy with that? They said, "Well, wait a minute." Some people might say, "Oh, that's great. I got a I got a free meal every day. Good. I can know where to go." But others would say, well, well, wait a minute. Why, you mean I can't go there? It's my money. <laughs> I can't decide where I go to eat? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, no, there, you need to eat there's here. There's no other part of society that would go like this no. that anybody right. would agree to. No. Except we're agreeing to kids doing this. Right. The, now, our so, most valuable asset that people would argue. Yes. Yeah, in many ways, yeah. So let me ask you, um, Steve, what is the, are, are you working some legislation through right now? You spent 10 years as a state senator here in Arizona, right? About, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. we're doing a, a huge push on the school choice stuff, um, namely one of the ZSA bills as well, which is just saying, hey, we either want all kids or at least every low-income kid who, who's needy to have a shot at these scholarships. And the only thing that means is, 90% of the money they would have got if they stayed in their government school goes to mom and dad, mm -hmm. who now can purchase and buy the education that they see. And just fit. so everybody listening knows, that we're not talking about their communities writing a check to the parents. We're talking about the communities saying, hey, look, if your property taxes pay $2,600 allocated towards your child's education, then 90% uh, of that money's mobile. If you find this... Uh, Alhambra Great Heart Academy down the street, and you want to take your kid there, mm -hmm. your 29, your 90% of that $2,800 can go with you. So, yeah, except in our case, it's 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 90% of what the state portion of education is for K-12. So remember, you have oh, state, Oh, so local, that's not your municipal. So the, you it's, have a municipal that goes with the kid that's mobile already in Arizona, right? Well, the municipal stays municipal. This program goes after the state uh, dollars. Okay. So you have state, federal, local. And the average amount, if you were to get an ESA for your kid, is somewhere between sixty-five hundred and seven grand a year. And it's, it's a formula, which is why it's not an exact science. But each parent who says, you know what, I want control of my okay kids hold education. on let me back up so everybody else gets this too mm -hmm. so i choose to pull my kids from public school and go to a charter school which is a public school of sorts here in arizona for a lot of people don't have charter schools in their part of the country that are listening right so when i make that choice to go there i fill out some form at the school and they send it in and then the state government says oh the state allocation for greg's two kids now don't go to their school in their neighborhood, it goes to this academy they're going to. So charters is that is that accurate or not? Kind of. Ish. Yeah. Well, so charter schools are publicly funded, so there is no tuition for that. So the ESA program actually helps open up every other option outside of public schools and charter schools. So it opens up private schools. Um, if you wanted to homeschool your son, for example, and just bring tutors in, uh, we've had parents do that. So they will uh, set up their own schoolroom in their house, have a reading tutor come in. Uh, you know, some of our special needs parents, us. Uh, 
a physical therapist will come in and they're using that 7,000. Well, they actually get funded higher because their child has special needs, but they'll use that money that they're getting to pay for a true customized education. So if I wanted to pull my kids out and get them to Brophy, um, I don't know what the fee is for Brophy. Do you guys know what it is right now? Well, Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think you'd qualify, Greg. Right? Yeah, <laughs> for any yeah. Of I mean, Brophy, Brophy's, yeah, what, fifteen-ish, maybe even more, fifteen, yeah. eighteen grand a year. Yeah, uh, and that's what I said about half the private schools in Arizona are are at or less than that seven-ish thousand dollars amount that the ESA gives you. So, so the real-world working example is this: I go to XYZ government school. Um, I don't want to go there anymore for whatever the reason is, right. uh, whatever the reason is, I would prefer to go to, uh, that Catholic school, that Christian school, that micro school, that home school, that online learning Academy, I can take 90% of the money that the state government was going to send me to go to that government school, which is about 65 to seven grand a year. And I can take that money and go pay for tuition at the private school of but, your choice. Can I do that or no? Yeah. You well. Well, if this bill <laughs> passes, to, and you have to, be, you have to be able to qualify. So there's these qualifiers that you have to meet, and that's what Steve is working on. Which is why, when as you said, we were nerding out on this. I really wanted to get him in here because this is huge, and it opens it up to so many more families. So the qualifiers before. Uh, where if your kid is in a failing school, if they have special needs, if they're in foster care, um, you know, there's this uh, military families qualified because they have to move so much. So you have these really specific qualifiers that you couldn't join the program unless you met those. Uh, now, the bill that Steve's working on is going to open it up, and I'll let him take it from there um, because, you know. Yeah, you just open it up to either the whole state or to at least a huge percentage of it. Mm -hmm. Right. You want to make it so uh, if somebody like me says, hey, I don't like Cave Creek school systems for high school, I want them to go to Brophy. Uh, my 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 state-allocated funds for my kids would follow my kids. Yeah, I think that's ultimately where everybody wants this program to go to. Uh, the bill that we're working on now is is, is going to be one of two folds, either just for the, the low-income families, the neediest of the neediest, and or for everybody. I mean, it, it's up to the legislature what they want to do, but clearly we would advocate for every kid yeah, why, why, having why, a choice. Why just for poor people? Why do we only care about poor people? Well, one of the reasons why this is especially important right now um, for the lower income that that portion at least passes is because again, is that because we can get away with it's <laughs> for the poor? No, it's because of COVID. So you have these families that are in South Phoenix. I I cover stories on these families okay. all the time, so I'm seeing it. Uh, so one of the stories we covered, there was a family. There were probably twelve people living in a two bedroom apartment, Hispanic family. Mm -hmm. um, the older generation didn't speak. Spanish at all, the grandparents and all that. that speak all English packed, at all. Or, yes, yep. um, English at all, yes. And so they're packed in this apartment. Well, you have a little girl there sitting with horrible Wi-Fi on a pretty crappy laptop trying to do her work. And she has nobody to help her. So we're talking about mass learning loss right now. That's one example of sure. millions. Like there were somewhere, it was somewhere around, uh, I believe three million um, millions of kids that showed up missing when we went all virtual right. and when the schools refused to reopen. Right. So those kids have mass learning loss. So, um, you know, you can argue that it should be open for everybody, but we at least need to do this because it's the right thing. So and that portion needs to pass. Yeah. And it's ultimately political. It's what the legislature can and will pass. But unfortunately, the legislature today, it's very, very partisan. So as it sits now today, 100% of Democrats have not supported these types of programs before. And unfortunately, not 100% of Republicans 
have supported these programs. And if so, we're in a split house, right? There's only a, we have a one house majority. Right? We have a one so, vote majority in the House and the yeah. Senate. So, if it is going to be a partisan issue, every Republican must vote for which it. Which Republicans are against it right now? So there's three in particular in the House of Representatives that killed this initiative that we tried to do last year. So who are these rhinos? Well, the first one is Michelle Udall, and she is now running to try to be your state superintendent right. So in, or charge of all of the education in Arizona. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. And then you have two others, uh, Joanne Osborne. It was in like the West Valley and Joel John, who's a little bit more towards Yuma. Those three Republicans stopped, which would have been the largest school choice expansion in Arizona history last year, single-handedly. How do we get rid of them? Well, they all have primaries this year. And so, but what I love about America, America is the land of second chances. And so now this year, even though they voted against this bill last year. They have a chance to not be scumbags They this have year. a chance to to rectify their vote. I know. You, you're really nice. I'm not running for office now, so fuck them. Tell and me they, their names again And they real have quick. a chance to make it right. Tell me their names again. You have Michelle Udall. All right, hold on. Michelle Udall. You have. Uh, Where's she from, you know? Like the Mesa area. Mesa-ish. Boy, I'm gonna drop the hammer on her. Who's the other one? <laughs> Joanne Osborne. J O A N Osborne. Where's she at? Do you More know? More of the West Valley area. West Valley. I'm gonna get her too. And then you have Joel John, who is also West Valley and part of Yuma. And those three, if they, you know, find the error of their ways and not only support their party, because over 90% of Republicans support school choice. President Trump, two weeks before the election years ago, said, in my second term, there will be school choice for all, right? There's, it's very hard pressed to find a Republican who doesn't support this. Now, AFC, we're technically nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. We don't care who supports this. Right. We want everybody to support it. But when we did national polling, we do national polling and state polling with According to the New York Times, which is by no means an arbiter yeah, of a they're, conservative. They're not exactly uh, conservative. They're not a right-leaning publication. Right, right. They've identified a certain pollster as the number one most accurate pollster in the country. Well, we, we commissioned a poll with them last year and this year. 75% of Arizonans support school choice. Of course. But do you know what's crazy? That means 68% of Democrats and 78% of minorities support school choice. So when when you get either Republicans or Democrats, we say, I don't care what party you are. Could you all just listen to the people? Well, that's the craziest part, because this is one of the common areas where we all agree. Mm -hmm. We should. Now, here's the thing. The people agree. That's we the, pe the people, we agree. We the people agree when this you see polls like this. This is a win, though. This is a win. But do you know who doesn't agree? The it's, teachers union. It's the elected, in, in Arizona's case, it's the elected Democrats. Who get money from the teachers union. And where do they get their funding? to the teachers union. That's right. But That's their right. constituents, even in Democrat districts, their Democrat constituents, supermajority, support this effort. So now you have a disconnect between, well, wait a minute, are you truly representing your constituency? Or are you representing a different constituency? Because the people want it. So how about you do your job and give the people what they want? Well, they like to brush this under the rug because this is the long game. This is the war. Mm -hmm. This is not the battle. It is the war. And the war is for who do we let infect our children's minds with bullshit or give them information to become free-thinking Americans? Mm -hmm. That's the, it's the war. Everything else in our culture is a sideshow bullshit hustle. Because we get this wrong, we can't even engage a good argument about 
birth control, death penalty, abortion, war, the draft, equality, civil rights. We can't even have real conversations if this is, is, is messed up. And it's messed up right now. Well, and if you believe that the colleges have been indoctrinated for decades, what's the next progression? Well, they're going to kick it down to K-12. And if you can capture the minds young... And decades ago, it was, well, let's capture, let's go get the professors, let's capture the college minds. Those are the ones coming into the career. Well, now it's, let's capture every kid. Kindergartners. And and that's the big fight you see in in Florida. Oh, yeah. That's a fight that we had in Arizona before. Uh, And and, and all we're saying is, could you let kids be kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could you just stay everything doesn't have to be political everything doesn't have to be force fed right you see planned parenthood have contracts with 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 some of our schools in Arizona. why why is planned parenthood have a footprint in any school in this state for what they want to teach sex ed seriously we just can't go back to when i grew up like i went to public school my whole life my kids go to public schools i've got nothing wrong with public schools until they start trying to do more than what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Educate my kid. When they start to indoctrinate, that's when I have a problem. And that's when all people have a problem. Yeah. That's what you're seeing the fight about. And yeah. if some parents are okay with Planned Parenthood having a contract in their child's school, that's one thing. But there are parents who are not. So that's where school choice comes into play. Because regardless of which side of politics you're on, you need that freedom to put your kid into a school or an environment where they feel safe, where uh, it's not going against what your values are at home that you're trying to teach your child on and on. It's like the filibuster, you know, just because you happen to agree with it this year doesn't mean it's a good thing to put it on your side because next year you're not going to be in charge and it's going to crush you. <laughs> and that's the thing about when you let these camels put their nose under the tent, next thing you know, they're standing in the tent and the whole place stinks. The problem is you say, okay, well, we want to have this in because it's good for uh, disadvantaged females to have this access to this planning in their life and access to the stuff that wealthy girls have access to. Well, then do we do religious stuff next? You know, do no, no, no. Okay. Well, the same argument, right? It's clearly, there's clearly benefits to all kinds of things. Um, we don't want schools indoctrinating leftism and we don't want actually them indoctrinating right right either mm-hmm. we want them to say like i learned from my teacher who went to boston public uh he said hey this is how our government functions here are let's talk about 20 topics and let's look at both sides of the issue oh, whatever happened to reading writing arithmetic how about just keep it simple how about you just? How about what's needed to be taught? Well, for sure, is taught for sure. But and imagine, accurate history. Imagine, imagine civics uh, and and uh, poli sci in high school. Okay, it's definitely part of the curriculum. It has to be. We want kids to see how these civic debates have been going on for for generations. It's important for people to see how the arguments go. It's not important. It's it's not valuable to indoctrinate them to one side of the argument. That's not valuable, and it's bad for our country. It's good for our country to say, all of these things are a debate between us, and here is what's being weighed out. Can you find a common theme Mm -hmm. so that you have an ethos or a worldview that you can go out and be a citizen and vote with some consistency? Because you talk about they're they're fine killing a baby. God forbid you change funding on a kid. God forbid you put a murderer to death, they're inconsistent on everything. There's no consistency to their worldview, and their worldview is infecting our public schools. 
And and the mantra I always kind of live by at, at the Capitol um, when I when I was there, and even in this position, and and any, anything is error on the side of freedom. So if there would be a yeah. bill, a piece of legislation that comes up, well, I can see both sides. Is it going to restrict or hinder freedom? And is it going to somehow even encroach our constitutional freedoms? And and that's the same thing we should do here. Could yeah, to your point. Should they be taught this or this? Should they have a right-leaning curriculum or left-leaning curriculum? No, err on the side of freedom. Just teach what's supposed to be taught and let the kid use right rational thinking, mm-hmm. use their independent thinking, use their own minds. Don't force feed them, but you should always err on the side of just freedom and let the free market, in this case, let parents be the arbiters, let kids learn in a non-right, uh, you know, pushing kind of way. We're going to push this agenda or this or this common core stuff that was popular a few years ago. We're going to do it this way. Just get back to the basics. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. it's so simple. And, and you know, what, what, I, what I usually end up going to is the Bible where, you know, the Apostle Paul says, don't let the simplicity of the cross be a stumbling block for you. In other words, <laughs> Jesus dying for you is all you need to know. Don't overthink that. Don't overcomplicate that. Don't think you got to work your way to heaven. Right, so it's a kiss principle. Keep it simple. Yes. Yeah. Just keep it simple and let parents who know what's best for their kids do what's best. Well, yeah. and I'm like this. Teach whatever you want. Just let me go. Yes. Yes, that's my point. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. what happens is we get into micromanaging everything yep. and, and you stop seeing really, you know, there are new things that come along that we should mm-hmm. talk about. Uh, I just, hey, you know, okay, you want to teach that? Let me go. Exactly. But you see that now in private schools. So you'll have Jewish day schools, you have Muslim schools, you have Catholic schools, you have Christian schools. Well, if I'm not one of those, I'm probably not going to go to one of those. But guess what? My gosh, that was my choice. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't forced yeah. to go there. Yeah. But if I do want one of those... They should exist. Yeah, I think iron fisting everybody into a single solution is never better than the potential shortcomings of the freedom for almost everyone else. And that's what we saw in healthcare. Yeah. And what happened to that when we try to do that at a federal level? It doubled the price of everything. And in, and and it and not only did it double the price, it lowered the services. And that's when you had all these talks of death panels and everything else. It's like it didn't work. You know, <laughs> they 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 went in and meddled with the healthcare system. And I got to tell you, nobody ever liked the price of it, but I always thought it was pretty good. It's awful now. Mm-hmm. It's and it's the same people. It's awful now. Right. And so they want to take that same government knows best top down approach. Yeah. Well, we're going to do it there. And now we're going to do it here. And as we know, there's not one universal doctor for everybody. There's not one universal school for everybody. You've got to have different choices. I always tell everybody, you know, these government institutions, they always end up being the post office. They always end up being the passport office. They all they can't end up being anything else but that and the VA. Just stuff that doesn't work great doesn't have good reputations and you almost get sick to your stomach if you know you have to go there like oh yeah i gotta go down to the i gotta go down to the va like oh well and that was the debate that i had in the senate at the time during all this healthcare debate which is like wait a minute we have our veterans and the va was about what one percent of the population for our vets that the government ran their health care for and if there's ever been a healthcare <laughs> model yeah. that should be the stellar top of the line gold-plated healthcare program it should be that it should be for the veterans and, and boy, what did we find out the va was so we took the one percent healthcare that the government ran that many will say they ran very poorly in the veterans and we said i think we can do that for 100 percent of the population mm-hmm. you know how ridiculous that is you couldn't get it right for the one but you're gonna get it right for the hundred it's asinine and that's why it failed well listen um so what's this bill that you're pushing through what's the, is there a number on it 
There, there is, but the what I would encourage anybody listening is just call their state representatives and senators and just say, we support school choice. We support ESAs for all. And those ESAs are those scholarships because there is a bill out there, Senate Bill 1657, but it could pop up over here. It could be part of a compromise over there. It could find its way over here. So, so rather than just saying, well, support XYZ, we're saying we support school choice. We support ESAs for our kids. And if you don't, we're going to vote you out. Well, thanks for coming in, you guys. I appreciate you uh, uh, spending time. And i sorry, sorry about the uh, <laughs> second swing at it, but I think we got the bat squarely on the ball. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to throw out? Or is there a website that you guys have people could go to if they want to read more about it? Yeah, I would say if you're listening and you're like, well, wait a minute, I didn't even know scholarships existed. Wait, what are these ESA things called? What are these STOs called? What, 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 what is all this stuff? You mean I can right now here today go to a different school if I wanted to? Your answer is yes, you can. All we are trying to do is make it eligible for even more people. But if you're out there listening, if you're like, well, hey, how do I get that? Uh, I'm, we'll just give you a simple one. Text the letters ABC to the number 52886. So that's ABC to 52886 and that goes to us and we have a whole team mm -hmm. of education professionals here in Arizona that if you call and go like well dude here's where I go here's my situation here's where I'd love to go are there scholarships right now in Arizona that let me do that nine times out of ten we're gonna there there, there are again we're just trying to make them even more for ten okay, out of ten so what's the number again uh text the letters ABC yeah to the number 52886 and our education advocates uh, will go over and even help like find schools that so are so they'll like near reach you. back out to these folks. Oh yeah, oh, sure. Okay. And, and they can they can help find a charter school. They can help uh, refer you to people that are homeschooling. You know, we have the micro schools that are happening now that parents are setting up inside their homes. Uh, so there's so many options out there. And even if the ESA isn't your, like you're not going to qualify for it, um, there are like 10 other options that they can direct you to or help you find a good charter school. And the neat thing is Arizona is considered like the top school choice state in the country. Yeah. Arizona, Florida are like 1A and 1B. And yeah, so we're gun rights and uh, school choice. Number one is Second Amendment. Absolutely. And so, so I would say there's, and again, all we're trying to do is make it even bigger, but we have a great program and programs in place now. So anybody who's just looking to get out out. The governor Ducey over the summer and earlier this year said, wait a minute, if your school is imposing a mandate, a vaccination mandate, a mass mandate, if you find out that your school closes down again, you can get the same scholarship too. And the governor's got these programs. So there's so many different things going on. People just don't know about. Mm -hmm. So very cool. Give us a call. We'll be happy to walk through it all with you. Well, thanks for letting us know. So you guys out there, look, here's the deal. And a lot of you may not know how this works, but once you get elected, you put a staff together and once you have a staff together, um, you have a certain amount of volunteers and you might have some interns from local colleges who might come in and volunteer for your staff. Um, you have people who answer the phones and people who answer emails. And what they'll have is a column or a spreadsheet running. And you could tell me if I'm wrong on this. And there's all these issues that any congressman or senator or any elected official is always kind of engaged with. And they've got their electorate calling in, emailing in, sending in letters. Some staffer or young person is just sitting there basically looking for some keywords to say, oh, this one's about Second Amendment. Are they pro or anti? And they check off a little. You just, there's a running tally all the time in almost every elected official's team of what their electorate is barking at them about. Is that about right? Yes, and if you call like your state legislators, mm -hmm. your state senators, all that, they'll have somebody who, their assistant who will answer the phone. And if you just say, hey, number one, I would say, ask for a meeting. 
whether it's a phone meeting in person. Last time I checked, we all work for you. You're our bosses. So And it, sometimes you can get a meeting for God's sake. Of course you can. Yeah. Or at least if nothing, you get a phone call. So when I was in the Senate, every person who ever requested a meeting ever, I took. Whoever requested a phone call, I took. And it's because nine times out of 10, they are the expert in that little area. So I'd have people that call up and say, hey, did you know that access is screwing up these these these, these rates? And I'm like, well, no, I didn't know that because I don't have a special need kid who's, who has those rates, but you right. would. So it's such a learning curve. So I would say, call your legislators and tell them either just A, tell their office, whoever answers the phone, I support school choice, I want this, they better vote for it, or B, hey, is representative so-and-so there? If not, can you get me two minutes on a call with them sometime this week or next week or when I come down there? So if you got a little bit of baller in you and you feel like rolling up into someone's grill and having a conversation like this, like I do all the time, then go for it. If you don't, you're like, look, I just want to keep my head down, do my shit, but I want them to know what I think. You could send them a letter, send them an email, talk. And the real, the buzzword, and we were talking about it when I opened up today, being kind of the uh in the 30 second soundbite the the phrase you're going to hear is school choice if you say you're pro school choice what it means is you are pro um, your money going with your student you're pro being able to move away from failing schools that's poor people and wealthy people you are pro accountability you are pro being able to let a principal or a failing school or a subpar school or a non-responsive school or they don't meet your kids needs because he doesn't learn the same way and you got to shift directions you are pro letting your tax money go to where you as parent believe it should go and follow your kid that's what pro choice means not the other pro-choice, pro-school choice. So reach out, email. It's super easy, too, because you know, it used to be you'd have to go in the yellow pages or the white pages and you'd go <laughs> look in the government section or the blue section. Wasn't it a little blue section? And now you can just Google, who's my congressman? And you put in your zip code, who's my senator? Boom, who's my U.S. congressman, U.S. senator? You got four people you can uh, kind of chime in, and it actually makes a difference. And people have a tendency to think oh it doesn't matter and it does it really matters one person can nudge the scale mm -hmm. um so just get really involved appreciate you guys coming in um it's greg medford from the greg medford show i am out